Well, actually, I'll call myself a natural light improvement technician or a transparent wall maintenance engineer. Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> I could put a few letters at the end of that. <laughs> I've actually asked a university student, and he's gobsmacked. He didn't know what it was. <laughs> and this is guy has a doctorate. <laughs> Some people actually think about windows, and not the Bill Gates kind. Do you get upset if you see windows that have been butchered? Totally. <laughs> to most of us, though, they're just functional. They keep the weather out, they let the light in, and we probably all hate cleaning them. But there are two men in Dublin who see windows in a whole other light. I actually hated this at first, believe it or not. But then I got into it and I started to really like it. Freddie Stapleton is a window cleaner and he keeps Dublin city centre shop windows spick and span. We just use basically fairly liquid and we have these cloths called scrims. Graham Hickey works for the Dublin Civic Trust and he tries to keep Dublin's heritage windows intact. The windows are basically the eyes of a building, aren't they? They are. Whether it's a small vernacular building or even very grand public buildings here in Dublin or, or the grand townhouses, it's just the windows, that's all it is. And if the windows aren't correct... The whole building isn't correct. The whole thing just falls apart. For the next quarter of an hour, we're going to take off on a very unique tour of Dublin's windows. And, like every good tour, there might just be something unusual at the end of it. It's a great job. If you can get anyway a decent summer here, you get a free sun. <laughs> right, so just tell me where we're going. OK, so we're going to head to uh, St Stephen's Green which is probably the most interesting area in the city in showing a diversity of window types from probably the, from about 1700 right up to the present day. The window is something that we take for granted. It's something that we see on every street and every building that we pass by on a daily basis. But the whole idea of a large opening in a facade is a relatively modern idea. It's only been around for about 300 years or so for the most prestigious buildings and then even a shorter time still for more modest dwellings and domestic buildings. Irish buildings are so simple and they rely so heavily on windows, on fenestration for architectural effects. And that's always been the case in Ireland, more so than Britain and even, even continental cities as well. Uh, and once that's compromised, whether it's through replacement of PVC or changing the shape of the windows or other messing around with the facade, that whole integrity is lost. OK, at the moment... We're up here in Stevens Green and I'm doing Benetton's windows here. I do this twice a week actually. They're big old windows to clean, you know, so normally I get here early in the morning and get them done. This is um, a, a wiper, this is a, a mop. Years ago I used, used the cloths and used to use an old towel with paraffin oil on it. But with the modern-day equipment, you don't need that anymore, you know. As I say, the mop and wiper does the uh, main job, and then the cloth is basically just for cleaning up after. It takes a long time to, to, to learn that type of skill, you know what I mean? It's when you're sort of doing it all your life, you sort of, it just comes natural to you, you know. The idea is to come down with the wiper, and then at a 45-degree angle, go this way and that way, covering half of the blade. And that leaves no streaks or marks, you know. That's why you get it perfect. As you can see there, it's absolutely perfect, you know. 
So here at the bottom of Hume Street, which is looking up towards Eli Place, just off St. Stephen's Green. And we're looking up towards uh, Eli House, which terminates the vista here, one of the great 18th century mansions of Dublin. And the house was built in, in the 1770s, so by that stage, window manufacture had become quite refined. And you can see the large windows on the first floor, the slightly smaller windows on the second floor, and then the small attic windows uh, on the top floor. Um, and it's symmetrically proportioned as well, seven bays wide, with uh, central windows over the, the, the main entrance door. And it's the defining characteristic of George and Dublin is these uh, serried ranks of marching windows marching along the streets, which just catches the eye as you look down. You see the windows over here that has the six panes and six panes underneath. We call them 12 painters. Now, the fact is that they're very delicate because they're sash cards, right? Now, sash cards are a thing of the past. You know, you have to get people in, especially to do them, because they're very expensive to be put in, because you've got to actually put the two weights on each side to take out one whole window just to put one sash cord in. You know what I mean? The Georgian sash really marks the pinnacle of window manufacturing by the late 18th century. I think even to the degree that windows that came later in the Edwardian and Victorian periods simply just didn't match them in terms of quality. There was a huge amount of effort put into refining the sash windows. So the glazing bars became incredibly thin, the frame of the sash became incredibly thin, and the whole sash box, which held the pulleys on either side, that was sunk into the facade as well. And that was also coincided with the development of crown glass. The French had pioneered it earlier on, but it only came to Ireland and Britain in about 1680 or so. And this really determined how our windows looked for nearly two centuries or so. Because the only way you could make glass right up until the early 19th century was for a glass blower to blow a large disc by hand using a large rod and he'd spin a molten globe of glass at the end of it and he spun it very fast and it got larger and larger and larger so he ended up with an incredibly thin uh, large disc of glass and it was from that disc that then that the panes of glass were cut. So as a result, the size of the disc limited the size of panes that you could put into your window. So hence we end up with the classic Georgian sash, which is typically six panes over six panes. Like, they're a fantastic window to clean, as a matter of fact. They're a pitcher glass, we call them. Very uh, thin glass, but it has a, like a quiver on it. If you've got the sun, say, facing it, you see this fabulous shine on it, you know what I mean? And the bent glass that's in it, like, you know what I mean? I was standing one day, actually, across Stephen's Green there, looking at a building, and it looked absolutely brilliant. We're only at the cleaner, but you could see this fabulous blue and yellow, like, it was like a rainbow. It was absolutely fabulous, like, you know what I mean? The glass is the testament to the technological ability of a, of a particular period in time so for example crown glass which was really dominated in the 18th century you get these fantastic swirls kind of circular swirls you get kind of almost semicircular swirls that came from the spinning of the large uh, glass disc coming into the 19th century when you get cylinder glass or broad sheet glass uh, which was when a large cylinder was blown it was cut open and it was flattened out on a table you get a battered appearance to glass because the glass was flattened out. Often when you see sunlight coming through an historic window 
and it projects the different patterns onto an, an opposing wall or onto the floor. You often see the different patterns of glass. So you get the swirls of crown glass maybe on the original panes. Maybe in the 19th century glass got broken and it was replaced with cylinder glass. So you get the battered panes. And then even early 20th century glass, where kind of early float glass or early drawn glass, you get the long streaks, the vertical streaks that was generated by that manufacturing technique. Dublin's St Stephen's Green really is a fantastic place for a walk when you start noticing the facades. From the solid red brick of the Georgian townhouses, the lavish pink icing on the Victorian Shelburne Hotel and the no-nonsense Dutch billy houses right beside the Department of Foreign Affairs. There you go, I'll never look at a building the same way again. But there's a set of windows near the Lewis stop that stands out and not in a good way. I don't know, they look kind of strange, don't they? Yes. Uh, that building was designed by, just on the corner of Harcourt Street, was designed by uh, Ronnie Tallon in the, I think, the early 1970s. And it has white aluminium frames. They're not particularly satisfying. They're almost too thin, too delicate, that they're almost nothing. They're, there's no substance to them, which is a shame. Even the uh, Artelon building, the Aircom office building, is a bit more solid. It's a bit more sophisticated. It's kind of sultry, tinted glass windows. It's a, it's a bit more of the sophisticated partner sitting across the corner. It's... A bit more refined, I think. And even here on Wicklow Street, we're kind of passing the, the side elevation of, of Grand Thomas. And you can see the part fronting Grafton Street has the older sash windows. It's kind of a Victorian part. And then underneath as well, of course, you've one of the few original shop fronts left in Dublin, a magnificent Edwardian shop front with curved pieces of glass, which are enormously expensive, massive sheets of plate glass which was used for display windows which kind of came about in the late 19th century the Cleary's department store or Delaney's as it was at the time on O'Connell Street made use of them Brown Thomas and Switzer's uh, also did on Grafton Street and here we have beautiful um, bronze glazing bars lovely detailing very nicely crafted and then these fabulous kind of curved sweeps which uh, kind of proclaim the entrance to the street with, with the double doors in between and it's those huge panes of glass that have kept people like Freddie in business for generations. I had to have the windows cleaned, you know what I mean? Because obviously there's a lot of customers goes into the shop, like you know what I mean? And you can't have really dirty windows, you know, because um, people just wouldn't go in, as a matter of fact. You know, it's like actually when you're cleaning pubs as well, the same thing. No one will go into a dirty pub, you know what I mean? But if the windows is cleaned, they'll always go in, you know what I mean? My dad was in it. He was in it for about, I'd say, close on to 40, 50 years. And he died, a young man, unfortunately. He died around 59, 58. And I started then when I was 14, 15. And I'm at it ever since. I have two girls at the present moment. I don't think they would like to be seen going around grass to see with a bucket. <laughs> But, I mean, I, I love it because you're meeting different people all the time. You're out in the fresh air, you know. People say it's hard in the winter, but, I mean, it's not really. You know what I mean? I love getting out early in the mornings, you know what I mean, and meeting different people, and we always have a bit of a laugh and everything like that. And it's great. I'm like Paddy O'Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the tour is almost over, and we were promised something special at the end of it. There it is. Graham and I found it in a building opposite the Shelburne Hotel. My God. That looks great. Isn't it? Two bullseyes, each a pane of glass with a big bubble in the centre. The centre bits from an original disc of crown glass, hand-blown three centuries ago. 
So that piece of glass is probably 300 years old? Absolutely, yes, from about 1730 or 1740. It's the, the cheap off-cuts of glass that nobody else wanted, and they were put with the servants uh, down in the basement. And Freddie? Freddie has his own prize. When you finish your work at the end of the day and you look at it, it's nice and clean, you know what I mean? A bit of pleasure, Elvis, you know. So. 